As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. Welcome to Android's Dungeon on CFRU 93.3 FM, broadcasting normally out of the University of Guelph, Guelph, Ontario campus. This is not the Guelph, Ontario campus. This is Android's Dungeon, though, broadcasting from not only the office and soon-to-be nursery, but also the living room, because I am joined by the lovely Kayla Campbell. How are you, Kayla? I'm great, Jack. How are you? Okay. Thank you for asking. I am not as sore. I'm a little tired. I don't know why. I feel like I slept pretty well, but uh, there was definitely a couple moments today where I just found myself sort of like, I could, I could have a nap. Just mm. easily close my eyes and see what happens. Uh, oh, okay. Are you growing a human? Yes. Oh. Good for you. Yeah. Thank you. Anyway, Android Zunch is a show about books, movies, music, games, whatever happened to us on the way to the studio, i.e. the office. Kayla, what have you been playing recently? Jack, we have just opened and played a couple games of uh, Dune Imperium. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is interesting. So I played like the full Dune a couple years ago. It's been quite a while. Um, Yeah, it was almost like two or three years ago. Oh, really? Wow. Okay. Uh, Quite a while ago. And then we we saw Dune. Um, Jack did give me uh, a viewing of the original um which i stayed awake for the entire time which i just want to point out before you go any further the fact you stayed awake through it i think says a lot not necessarily that the movie was um like it it held your attention because the story was so good because the the david lynch version from i think 84 is notoriously uh, difficult to comprehend because they blast through so much dense material so rapidly and in such a sh- short amount of time that unless you know what's going on it can be v- kind of confusing but I think it, it's just it was just would you disagree Kale that it was just so visually interesting or at least like it like what you're looking at was enough to keep you awake oh yeah it was really beautiful and I think I, I maybe I'm just like such a like plebeian when it comes to movies but i find like visually movies that are made today versus movies that were made like many years ago are just a lot i mean obviously the technology is very different but i find them much more appealing but maybe that's just what i'm used to and as i said being a plebeian well but that's that's kind of what i was getting at before so like the david lynch version i think again from 84 we'll just say the mid 80s that he turned down directing return of the jedi for which is kind of funny um, is, I think, very visually distinct. It, it's All the mm-hmm. colors are very bright. There's a lot of weird stuff going on there. There's some over-the-top things. There's some... It, I think as far as the creativity goes, I think it's it's off the charts. And some of the stuff is distinctly David Lynch. I was, I was joking earlier um, was that there's a, there's a scene that's utterly bizarre and it involves um, the, the Harkonnens have captured the uh atreides mentat and they're torturing him and they they bring out this hairless cat that they've attached a rat to on this bizarre device with a hose coming out of it and the mentat is poisoned 
and the the big bad guy uh, baron uh, vladimir is saying in order to survive you must drink the milk of the <laughs> from the cat <laughs> to keep the poison at bay and it's just such a bizarre scene that i, I think is it's not in the book but it's it's just a good example of something that you know david lynch was just going you know this is fun i like this idea versus the the new movie which has none of that it's much more conservative and uh, it's not as striking color wise because mm-hmm. of the palette. Would you would you disagree, Kale? Is much more desaturated, or at least um, each each scene. It's not like there's multiple jarring colors. It's every thir- yeah. each shot is going to be have be themed around a palette, as if you just uh, mm-hmm. put up a swatch and said, okay, everything is going to link up to these. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Okay, so uh, without going too far into the movie stuff, let's go back to the game. Uh, give yeah. us could we talk we talked about it a little bit last uh i think i don't know if it was the last show uh but we've we've talked about it a little bit in the past but what are your thoughts on doing imperium so i really like doing imperium um i think that it's like if you're interested in dune because you read the books or you watch the movie or you just like think the world and the concept is kind of interesting i think that it's a really um like accessible game especially if like the full dune that we have played many years ago and i think you just played on the weekend uh is like it's a lot it's heavy it's a big game you have to pay, play for hours whereas dune imperium is uh really accessible it is like some combination of board game and deck builder um and i think Jax feels the same way about this is that i don't really love pure deck builders i don't find them appealing it's just like doesn't really jive with me but i find when they introduce a board or some other like tactile concept that it really helps so um i really love uh super super motherload yep yeah so that's like a deck builder but there's a board component it's tactile and then this also has a big uh board it's essentially like a worker placement deck builder and I really love worker placements, so it's kind of hitting hitting the right notes for me. And it also, because we obviously played two-player, um, and often in these games, either they have, you know, maybe the two-player version is really great, maybe the two-player version sucks, maybe you have to basically play three-player, but one of you is playing a dummy hand. Uh, they've done a really good job with the two-player variant there is essentially a dummy but it's very manageable and it doesn't feel like you're playing for a whole other person yeah i think that's the the important one is because there's some there are a couple other games i think the first one comes to mind is um i want to call it welcome to centerville but it might just be called centerville which is this kind of fun city building it's kind of like somebody took um urban sprawl and mm-hmm. they added dice, and they made it a little more accessible and, frankly, fun, to be honest. Um, but if you're playing two-player, they make you play a computer that you, you go through a, a very simple to follow, like very, very light, but it's still there. It's a flowchart, so you roll dice. Or I don't even know if you roll dice. I'm trying to remember what you do with it. But you basically go through this program to see what the computer is going to do and where it's going to go based on certain factors. And it's fairly simple to follow, but at this end of the day, it's not... It feels like extra work with very little reward. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, there's zero reward. It, all you're doing is trying to make your your two player game more interesting. Um, so, kind of like what you're saying with Dune is that 
you've just got this deck of cards and you're just flipping it. And uh, whoever goes first is the person. So after they take their turn, the computer player goes. And if they've got their third player, the computer player goes three times. If your opponent only has two players on their turn, the computer will only go twice instead. So, um, the so obviously things are going to heat up a bit as soon as one party, yeah. one person gets three, and and if when both you get three too, it's going to you know it, it organically start blocking more spaces. And the thing is, it never pays where it's going. It's it never collects resources, never collects VPs. It's just existing to block you. That's mm-hmm. its, its main thing. And also, theoretically, I guess if things went the right, like a certain way, they could take the alliance token from you, which would be, uh, which which would be very annoying, I think. But it, mm-hmm. I think the it would be very odd to see it happen based on the way the decks kind of split up. But I think personally, the thing the computer player does, I keep saying computer player, but why not? Uh, the the dummy player does, which is super annoying, is that it will not only does it kind of bounce randomly all over the place and suck up some good spots when you want them, it also does this thing that I think it has multiple versions of this card in there, which is called uh, Spice Harvest, where it will immediately just warp to the area on the board with the most bonus spice on it, and and it just takes it all. So if you're sitting there trying to build a big turn and maybe, God forbid, the... Uh, the four spice spot is sitting there and it's got an extra oh no or i guess it's three spice three spice plus an extra three or two in there and you're you've been building up some water just for it uh and then all of a sudden spice harvest and it sucks it all up and it sucks up the space and you're just gonna oh my god this is just that was fun and it's random so you could feel it's kind of very vaguely aggrieved and it could i guess you could say it's not like uh I don't know if you could call it a tournament-worthy game if there's these, all these random effects going, especially with regard to some other things that I think we'll get into. But generally speaking, I think we're you would say the computer player is it's it's very easy. Just flip a card, do what it does. You don't have to grab stuff. You don't have to do any of this. It's just literally look at the card, put a token down on the space, and do what the card says. So, yeah. Well, what about the rest of the game, Kel? What about the rest of the game? Uh, okay, so because it's a deck builder, you're obviously building up a deck, so there is like a purchase component. Um, so the game like flows pretty naturally. So, like any deck builder, you have a set of cards that you have can use, so you get five in your hand, and then you get to uh, play them and move and to put your workers on one of a variety of spaces. You start with two workers, and one of the first things that I feel like you have to do is get enough money to purchase your third worker because having three turns really makes the game um, more exciting. You get to do more things. And especially if your opponent has three play- like three workers, then you have to get there because then you're just behind. Um, so there are a number of different spaces where you can take actions. Some of the actions are free. Um, so you can just kind of like get things. And then the other actions are to cost something so they either cost water or they cost spice or they cost money um and they're all very thematic um to the dune universe um so you go through taking your actions and then at the conclusion of your actions you do a reveal and there's kind of two parts to the reveal you can reveal the um numbers that are on your cards that are left that you haven't played you can use those to purchase new cards uh, and then the other aspect of it is that you can also reveal daggers. And there's a combat aspect to the game where throughout the your turns, there's certain actions that allow you to add uh, people to your garrison, and then you also get to commit them to the battle. 
and the daggers that show up on your cards increased your uh like fight capacity and there is a first second and third place during the fight and that will give you something sometimes it's a victory point sometimes it's a resource sometimes it lets you go up um in an alliance um space which is uh which is part of some of the actions you can take so kind of flows that way and then you do your reset and and start again and the game can end in one of couple ways so you can either run out of conflict cards which we did in our last game or someone can hit 10 victory points which we did in our first game Mm. yeah the the combat stuff is uh i think the two-player game it doesn't feel as maybe cutthroat because the the computer player has this nasty thing so you're thinking oh how does the computer player work well there are only a couple of spaces on the board where you can send troops to battle Mm -hmm. so if the computer player ever goes to those places any soldiers it gains are instantly all committed to the fight and in addition they will always commit two more soldiers to the fight so you're sitting there kind of watching at times that so in our last game the computer player just had this insane stockpile i think every troop it had was in the garrison but (laughs) you have time to because it hit a couple of big spots to kind of like get them out but they weren't committed and then gradually over time, it would commit a few troops here, a few troops there. But that's not the worst part. The worst part is when you've committed enough or you've committed what you think is enough. As soon as the reveal phase comes, the computer player flips over the top card of the deck. And those cards often will have some bonus daggers underneath them to, again, play spoiler for the combat. So in the second game we played, it didn't win tons of conflicts. Uh, but in the first game we played, it just cleaned up. It was winning, I think, the majority of conflicts easily because it was already ahead, and then it also would turn up a card or something that was like, yeah, here's an extra six daggers, so uh, good game. But it doesn't collect anything. It just stops you from getting stuff and pushing everyone to lower tiers on the rewards of it. So overall, it's still... That's where the randomness can kind of come in, too, that you got to have to gauge it and say, like, how many soldiers does it have? Ugh, it's utterly random what this guy is going to flip. It could be a bunch. It could be nothing. How badly do I want this? And like Kale was saying, that when the game only has 10 victory points to win, even winning one of them is, is a huge uh, jump towards finishing this game because that's 10% right there. So right. it's a big deal. But... Aside from the combat stuff, Kale, what are your general thoughts on the game? Because I know you start off by saying you really like it. Um, mm-hmm. But what about it is is appealing to you? Oh, Jack, that's a tough question. Just because like, it's kind of hard to describe like what is appealing. I think that... I mean, for someone who doesn't really like deck builders, I really like the deck building aspect of this game. Um, I think that there's, um, it really like, obviously it's a very important driver of the game, but I think it does a really good job. Um, And I think also the theme, like I'm feeling very Dune happy right now, just given, um, you know, the movie, I'd really like to read the books. Uh, So I don't know. It's kind of it's really hard to say. What do what do you like about it? I think for me it's that it's it's not an especially heavy game by any stretch. It's 
if it's it's not a light game yeah uh but it's not a if it's a medium game it's on the light side of medium because frankly beyond learning the symbols i think it's it's extremely accessible and it's not meant to be uh dismissive or degrading of its its complexity but it, there's not tons there because there's it's it has a market row of cards so you're not going to be sitting here dominion style performing mathematical calculations on the odds and things unless you're a madman because the cards are the the draw deck is so random and there's no way to mill cards currently at least unless there's some uh, treachery cards in there that I don't know about and the the deck building is so limited that if you're playing the game purely based on let's imagine you don't get any victory points there are going to be 10 rounds so that <laughs> means you have 10 opportunities to purchase cards assuming you can buy any cards or depending on how many cards you're purchasing and it also means you have uh, very. There's only a couple of spaces on the board. I think there's only one that lets you trash cards. And barring any special cards you've picked up or uh, or treachery cards, mm-hmm. the uh, capability to call your deck is very limited too. So you have to kind of really. And I think this is something that came back to haunt me a bit. Just because you can buy stuff doesn't mean you should buy things because your deck gets cluttered very big or very quickly. And you want to get your big cards out as much as possible. And it's very difficult to do that without culling stuff and without flooding it with so-so cards. So you go from weak to so-so to good to best. And there's some obvious cards which are fantastic. I think you got Lady Jessica in the last game, which was just... a great card. Yeah, she's fantastic. And it's seven bucks, too. So, And uh, there's certain characters that are just, I think, better than others. That um... So you had Beast Rabin who I had the first time, and I didn't play him properly. But you start with a spice and a water, or a spice and a dollar or something. Uh, but it's you can turn... Pardon me? Spice and a dollar, I believe. Yeah, so you can, you can turn that into uh, a bunch of spice very quickly by just going to one of the spots. So you can like, get some water turn one, and then go to the two spice spot and get uh another two spice and just immediately go and sell it the previous round and get a sword master turn turn two very quickly which i think you did turn three which was still really good um whereas his, my guy was oh i get I, I, every time i do a green space i get a i get the draw card which is actually pretty good and every time you use your ring you get a uh, a dollar just for <laughs> just for the pleasure of doing so but i, I i'm kind of rambling here but i think what i'm saying is that the the complexity is so accessible while still providing enough depth i think that you can still feel like you're you're actually making effective decisions that it's an easy recommendation for people who are looking for a game that's just like maybe you're you don't want to sit there and play a four hour or five hour game every time you put something on the table but you also want something that you can play two players or solo it, it does support solo as well with the like extra rules on top of the computer player um but you can also add another two players to, uh, and go up to four if you felt like it. So there's there's enough there that I feel like you can get good at it. But there's enough randomness and silliness and it's it's light enough that I don't think I would ever put it in the uh, medium to heavy or heavy category at all. Especially when, what do you think? We, we can play a game. If I bet if we got it out right now, we could probably do a game in, in about an hour. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, absolutely. And that was, I think both of our games have been an hour or just under. And yeah. we all, we both just learned how to play. Yeah. So it's, it is very accessible. I think I said that at the hop. And then 
just to pick up something that you said that I was thinking about as well is that my one criticism is that it's very tricky to call your deck. So you have all of these garbage cards just taking up space. Some of them have, I have, there's cards that come in your starting deck that give you no worker actions and they only give you, um, like basically dollars to spend on buying new cards, which in the beginning is okay. Um, because you know, you can only take like two actions at the beginning. You have a hand of five cards. You can use that. No big deal. But as you move forward and all your cards start to get better as you buy them, and they all have like you can take an action and you maybe get daggers and maybe you get uh, like money to spend on on new cards. Having those cards clutter your deck is really frustrating. And there are very few things that let you get rid of them unless you have, as you said, the cards or like one or two spaces. So well, it's, it's even more you need spice to get to it because it's the one yeah. Benny Gesserit spot. That's so do you like spending two spice on calling a card and uh, it's not worth it like spice is so useful you can turn spice into money and then you can turn that money into a new guy or you can turn that into a discount on cards like i could either if you think about spending money like spice to money or or something like that spending resources on trashing a card it's far better for you to spend those resources on getting a plus two to the card purchasing than it is to call that card yeah, I guess it all depends on what you're trying to do. And this is where the fact that we're even having this discussion, I think, reveals that there is some, like, it goes back to a good game should have interesting choices in it. If a game doesn't have interesting choices, it means it's programmed or it's it's just not dense enough for you to actually feel like you're making any, uh, affecting your fate at all. And that's the worst feeling, I think, in any game when it just feels utterly random. And then it's not really a game. It's you're just throwing dice and hoping for the best. But um, with... With Dune Imperium, you can affect your fate to an extent, but you got to be like, it's not as, it's not, because Pax Pamir is very random too, but you can really, it's it's up to you. You're, it's Pax Pamir rewards planning. In Dune Imperium, I think it's more about just trying to have a game plan of sorts that kind of fits around your character and make it work to the best of your abilities, but between space blocking and, God forbid, the computer player just randomly taking stuff too, uh, you really just have to kind of go with the flow and hope for the best. So sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But exactly what you're saying with regard to useless cards, and I'm not saying the convincing argument's useless per se, because getting two two a purchase isn't bad. It's just like exactly what you're saying. You can get rid of that and replace with something that's more versatile, something that you can actually play on your turn to go somewhere and maybe draw cards and get more stuff later on. That I think. You, you need to get rid of the ASAP, but it's just so expensive and so tricky to do so that you really have to have a, a bit of an engine of sorts going. But it all deals with people blocking you and, you know, where you, you, you can never go in the same place as somebody else unless you've got a special card. So make your picks uh, accordingly, especially if you've only got two actions around at the start until you get a Swordmaster. And I think uh, I'm a little frustrated that it seems like uh, based on my reading online, that some guy said he's played 100 plus games of it. And he says, um, at least in 99% of them, the person who got the Swordmaster wins. Like, you, you can't, hmm. nobody who doesn't get a Swordmaster ever wins. Maybe, right. there, are, there is some conflicting reports on this. Some people say they've won, but I almost feel like maybe were you playing against somebody who didn't know how to play? Were they just goofing around? Like, because it, it seems like it's not difficult to eight, get $8 gradually throughout the game and just grab one because it's just, the versatility from it is just wild and yeah. there there are a bunch of free actions too so it's 
to not have the option seems ridiculous. And you can reveal whenever. So you don't have to use them if you don't feel like it. So, um, what is there anything about it that you would change, Kayla? Um, I think like the car trashing thing is something I would change. Like I would just make that more more options. The other thing, and I think we talked about this in the last time we played, is that there's an action at the top. I don't remember exactly what it's called, but you get to add like four or five people mm. to your garrison. Yeah, four but troops. It doesn't come with a commit action. Yeah. Or like there aren't enough commit actions. Like in that, and commit means getting those garrisoned troops into the fight. So I find that can be a struggle as well. It's like actually getting those people physically um, into the fight. I find it's not so hard to get them into like the ready spot. It's a lot harder to get them to actually move into the fight. Yeah, and I thought, you know what? It's it's frustrating when you can't get them out there, but I I don't agree that I wish that one committed them because it's like you it, you're getting four troops. If you could just go up there and get four troops and commit them instantly, that would be a pretty you'd ha- I, you'd have to really make people pay for that card or change that, the the map I mean, on that I space. I feel like they're already like paying for it quite a bit. It's pretty expensive. yeah. Well, it's I see the end. We're the fact that we're even discussing this, but there's the emperor space, which is four spice gets you four troops and an intrigue card and uh two water or something or you, you get a bunch of stuff going to there the big one that is probably the best one for that stuff is but it's super expensive if you look at what it is if you were turning into money mm-hmm. you have the spacing guild which is six spice which gets you i think five troops you can commit immediately and um maybe that's the one that gets you water and stuff i can't even remember i can't think of the uh, board space in my head i've only played three times but it'll be interesting to see the expansions coming out. I'm a little worried at its price point, that it looks like it's going to be close to like two-thirds of the price of the game. It's like, that's a... That's a lot for an expansion. Especially if it's just like some very basic components. That, that kind of bugs me. So we'll, we'll see. We don't, nobody's, it's not out yet that I'm aware of, so we'll see what happens when it actually shows up. But uh, um, I, I'm just very happy, because I remember when the game came out, there were complaints about the production quality of it. People are saying, oh, some of these things look cheap or they're not good. I, I love the little wooden components. I think they're pretty. Kaylee even asked, like, is this deluxe? <laughs> I honestly <laughs> thought it was like a Kickstarter version because often you don't get that quality of pieces unless you pay extra for it or really like. Well, exactly. Out the door. Yeah, exactly. Because usually they're I, I'm astounded. They, these aren't cardboard. Uh, so they're actually little wooden painted uh and they're they're die cut the spice like everything comes in two different uh the spice comes two different sizes the discs for the solari the money comes in two different sizes and it's a nice paint job that the water is all uh one size but it's a lovely little paint job and cut as well so and the i i think if i had any minor complaint at least only on my third third play um, and it's nothing to do with the mechanics beyond the fact that i dislike market rows generally speaking because it's utterly random uh, you're just shuffling cards and throwing them out there. I think the, uh, I think s- games like um, a Valley of the Kings solve the market row issue where you have a tiered deck that's shuffled. So as the game goes on, better cards show up. And as a designer, it also ha- lets you plan around this better versus one player just getting lucky and grabbing a- an excellent card in the first round and just kind of steamrolling off of that just through dumb luck. But I think the only thing aside from the market row issues that I'm, I, I don't feel comfortable kind of going off about at the moment is that 
the colors are a little um, dark on the game yeah. board. And if you're not playing with a, a nice bright light on you, um, you might be kind of straining your eyes at times to kind of look at what's popping and what's not. And I'm not saying it's awful, not by any stretch. But if I could go back again, I think I would make some of these colors or some of the text and some of the, the icons and things pop a bit because everything is fairly on the darker uh, side of the tones and the, the contrast. So, But it's an extremely minor complaint because it's more just because in our living room we play, we don't have the greatest of light. That's and they're def- a problem we can solve, Jack. We can solve this, but it's it, they're just uh, without turning on the hideous overhead fan light that flickers will give you a, a, a seizure from or the other one, I guess, by the door. But mm. really, that's my only complaint there. So, um, I, I think w- I can I can safely recommend after three plays. I would say if you have any interest in uh, a good board game that is a uh, a good worker placement, it's light. And it's if you like light deck building, that's kind of on top of that. It's, it's so imagine it's two thirds of a worker placement and a third of deck building. Uh, and you also enjoy the Dune theme, then I, you shouldn't be even hesitating. You should go pick this game up. What do you think? Totally agree. Excellent. Well, we're in agreement. Uh, all right. Well, let's take a musical break and we'll be back. And this will be a slightly longer one, but hopefully you stick with it. Talk to you in a minute. Bye.
Welcome back to Android's Dungeon on CFRU 93.3 FM. What you just listened to were four tracks from a new album, uh, new-ish, I guess, from uh, the artist Hideous Gomphidius from the album Spell of the Mycomancer, which I just came across because somebody I follow on Bandcamp, uh, I get details from them when they... They buy stuff, and this guy, uh, you know, recommended this person, and I said, okay, let's check him out, and I was blown away at the quality of this album. For something you can pick up for a dollar minimum, uh, you can pay anything. You can get, you can pay nothing if you want. You don't get the, to include in your Bandcamp library, and you also don't get to support the artist in any way, but if you wanted to, you don't have to pay anything, so, which is kind of what, before the show started, Kale and I were kind of having a brief little uh, talk because the service we use to record off of Twitch, which makes it easily uh, Twitch Discord, which makes it easy, is uh, something called Craig. And recently, the uh, fellow who kind of runs Craig sent out an email, and it was this AR PDF that was like several pages long, basically listing his problems with his service and that he's running and. It seems chiefly that he's frustrated with Discord changing their sort of the API. I don't even know if that's the right word or if it's even available to people, but basically they make changes and he has to rebuild everything he's done whenever they make the smallest of changes because it's no longer compatible, which could be very frustrating. And he also complains about the fact that he has a Patreon and he's not losing money. In fact, he makes $250 US, I believe, a month after taxes and everything uh, and server costs and the rest. But just it felt kind of like a person who's at the end of his rope and kind of frustrated by it at the process, which is kind of uh, frustrating to hear. But the the notion that, oh, I need more money, that would make me happier. I'm sure it would. But a lot of people have run stuff for a long time and they don't make any money and they just do it because they like it. And I'm not saying this guy has to keep doing it, but if you're not happy, stop it and then we will find something else. Uh, similar to this, these Bandcamp artists... They put stuff out there. If you want to pay it, you can pay it. If not, don't. But they're happy to put themselves out there. And some guys put very small prices on things just to say minimum price. Like, I think this is fair. If you enjoy this, I think that's reasonable for you to pay. And usually it's fine. But anyway, this uh, this album, Spell the Mycomancer, very strange. It's dungeon synth, but it's more of an ambient, dark ambient album with some synthy elements themed around the idea of a wizard that specializes with mushrooms and spores. And that's all you need to know. And then you listen to the track titles. First track you heard, Incantation of the Amethyst Deceiver. Second track, The Fungal Rite. Three, Invoking a Funglet Horde. And four, the last track you heard, Dark Crazed Cap. Spooky stuff. It's Kayla's favorite genre. I, I have to tell her, like, I come home... And I'm hearing some weird dungeon synth going. It's like, oh, she's listening to that, that damn Michael Mancer again. I'm sick of it. <laughs> never gets, never changes it up. Can we just listen to Adele for once? <laughs> some of the uh, Starsborn soundtrack for once, Kayla? <laughs> <laughs> Come on. You know, it's all classic holiday music right now. Mm-hmm. Holiday traditions are on now on the uh, Sirius channel that... Uh, so whenever I get in the car and Kale's around, it's immediately, boop, <laughs> sleigh bells, are you listening? Hey, it's for one month, you can survive. Yeah, I can. And you know what? I don't mind it 
when there's snow on the ground or it's snowing and it actually feels festive when it's pouring rain or it's freezing snow, like uh, particles hitting me or it's just grim, like dead leaves on the ground and nothing vaguely festive at all. It just feels so off kilter. Uh, it just doesn't feel right at all. But anyway, um, the show is petering down. We've got a couple of minutes left. So I just want to hear Kayla's thoughts overall on, um, the Dune movie. And I want to ask you a specific question because you didn't know much about the plot, really. You'd seen the David Lynch one. I don't know how much you remembered or if you even stayed awake through all that. If one of the complaints I heard was that it was too confusing to follow and there was a lot of stuff going on and it made it kind of inarticulate uh, or incomprehensible, excuse me. So you just had to kind of sit down and relax and just enjoy the sounds and the, the visuals and the acting and the action, which sounds great. When I say it like that, but uh, story-wise, did you what did you think of it, and did you have trouble following it? I didn't have trouble following the story at all. I don't know who these people are. They sound dumb. <laughs> uh, I yeah, I didn't have any trouble, and maybe it's because I had some knowledge, just in like in the sense that like we played the Dune mo- our game, which I mean doesn't tell you the story, but there's like some concepts there that you get. I'd seen some of the David Lynch version. Yeah. Uh, we had talked about it. I don't know. I didn't find it a challenge to follow at all. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. There's lots of things that I've watched that have been far more confusing. So I just know. I don't think that I did. I th- I could see how you could get distracted by kind of all the things that are going on and maybe have a hard time following it. I do think that I had the benefit of having some concept of what was happening or what was going to happen from before, like from the David Lynch version. Yeah. Um, but I mean, admittedly, I think we all know this is what happened. I definitely fell asleep during the David Lynch version. So it's not like <laughs> happened. Um, but I really, really liked the movie. I was, you know, compared like that was like the fourth movie maybe that we had seen since theaters had reopened and we had gone yeah. to the world. And in terms of, like, the movies that we had seen, that was the best. We saw James Bond. James Bond is the same length as, as Dune, and it was easily an hour too long. If it, yeah, it felt way longer. Yeah. We saw Halloween Kills. It just sucked. It should have been, like, it should have yeah. not existed. should have been a half hour shorter, too. <laughs> all. And it was only an hour and 40 minutes. Yeah. And then we hit Dune, and, I mean, we definitely had the benefit. We saw it in the VIP theater. It was very nice. We saw it with our friends. And it was two hours and 40 minutes and it flew by. I was yeah. super engaged and I was disappointed when it ended. And so I'm really excited for the next installment. Yeah. That, well, that's the best endorsement I could hear right there is it wanting more. And I, I think I said uh, always that I could have done with another hour. I could have done with a three hour and 40 mo- uh, minute movie in two seconds with that. I don't know if I could have survived that, Jack, but. You would have had to go to the bathroom, I think. But, yeah. uh, that's, uh, but I'm trying Hateful Eight was really long, too. I'm trying to think. That one was like three and a half hours, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, good. Well, let's end it there. Uh, a lot of Dune chat on the this episode, which is fine. And there's going to be some more uh, next week when uh, we get Joel back in the uh, driver's seat here. Or at least the passenger seat. Uh, because we got to do a game of the... Uh, well, I guess it's a reprint from... The, uh, the 80s, I believe, but uh, we got to do a six-player game of it on Sunday, and we have a lot to talk about. So, until then, we'll do our shilling right here. 
Check us out on Instagram at Androids Dungeon, on Twitter, AD Radio CFRU, and shoot us an email at droiddungeonradio at gmail.com if you have any questions. But also go to the Guelph Board Gamers, Board Gaming Group, Board Gamers Group, you can never remember, on Facebook, and join up if you want to hang out and chat or post what you've been playing. We're always excited to see new people, and um, hopefully when we start getting more events and can do bigger events, that's where it'll be organized because I cannot wait to do bigger things with people and just get a bunch of uh, people together in a bigger space, bringing games and playing them because a lot of our favorite games, you know, more players, the better. But until then, I'm Jack. I'm Kayla. Thank you for listening. Have a great day. Bye-bye.